gratitude from Camden Town, London. Thanks to Evie for letting us know what thank you sounds like. Your suffering is a holy event. Thich Nhat Hanh says, look deeply into the nature of your suffering and hold it. It is the only way to discover the true nature of your suffering. And when you see the true nature, you can see the way out. This is why suffering is considered a holy truth. Yeah, can't get out of it until you know what you're in. If we don't embrace it, we'll never get out of it. And I mean embrace, not just coexist and let it tag along. Embrace it. Embrace the suffering, if possible. Embrace the descent. It reminds me, Eckhart Tolle says, whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you had chosen it. That's radical. Ah, It's a tall order. Especially when you feel like your life has fallen apart or especially when you're in the middle of a world health situation that's including everybody. Here's my way of doing that. You don't have to for real accept that you chose it. You can just entertain the notion. Like, let's just try this exercise on. Let's just explore this thought form. What if I had fully chosen the pain that I'm in? What if I had, what if I was completely entirely the master of my domain and the god of all of this reality? Yeah, just explore that. Not to say that you are, not to say that there isn't unseen forces and you got to leave room for mystery and karma and all those things, but just explore it because it'll expand your perspective, yeah? The other way to look at this notion of accepting whatever's going on as if you had chosen it is that, well, let's use our world health situation as an example, actually. So it's not that I, Danielle, have chosen for this epoch of upheaval and potential extreme suffering on the planet. Yeah, of course not. That would be, well, delusional and crazy messianic. I'm not even going in the right direction with this, but the idea, (laughs) what I want to get to is that you just accept your part of the reality. So... You're not going loopy and thinking, what did I add? Did I, on some dimension, create this bigger thing? No, I'm just, my reality is, right now, there's a situation, and my conscious response of that situation, not everybody's choosing this, and I'm not giving you the judgment, but my personal response to the situation is to is to retreat. I'm changing my behavior in light of. And it comes with some sacrifice. It comes with some suffering. It definitely comes with some fear. I'm actually not suffering that much. I'm not suffering at all. My only suffering is any kind of complaint and fear. Yeah. I would like to be freer. I blah, blah. I want all those things. Let's just get into the depths of suffering here. Okay. So what I know for sure about suffering is that resistance to what is resisting reality Resisting what is for real happening is a sure way to create more suffering. 
Just don't resist it. Doesn't mean you're condoning it. Doesn't mean you're asking for more of it to happen. But just be with it. Okay, this is this is what's happening. Why why complain, really? How can I respond with my whole self and all my faculties? How can I respond to my suffering? So not complaining and not resisting it doesn't mean that you're bypassing your suffering and your sorrow, okay? But you're you're with it. All the power you need to respond to a situation is in the moment in that situation. Let's continue to talk about suffering, shall we? I want to roll out the four noble truths according to the Buddha. Um, Buddhists love their suffering. <laughs> All religion loves their suffering. It's the currency, uh, the, the threat of suffering, <laughs> the, uh, the amplification of suffering so that we can rely on a source that knows more than us, that's going to sanction us, that's going to tell anyway. Okay, I'm still going to stick to Buddhism. All right, the first noble truth. This is going to sound a little obvious. The first noble truth is there is suffering. Yes, we know. Uh, life can suck hard, even when it's glorious and so much is working and going in our favor. There is suffering in our own beings. The Buddhists, because they're so particular, I love the particularity, uh, break it down into three kinds of sufferings. There's the suffering of pain. Ouch, this hurts. Uh, there is the suffering of change. Don't want to change. Ouch. And there is pervasive compounded suffering. This again, still this, more of this, one damn thing after another. Okay, so that's the first noble truth. There is suffering. Second noble truth. There is a cause of the suffering. That's actually great news because if you can figure out the cause, you can figure out a solution for it. So the perspective here is that there are six kinds of causes for sufferings. One is ignorance. You just don't know any better, so you do dumb things. Two, anger. Mm-hmm. Three, attachment. Ouch. Four, pride. Five, doubt. Oh, isn't doubt a drag? And six, wrong view. You're just not looking at it correctly. And the wrong view here is the misperception that we are separate from source. That's the wrong view. <laughs> it's such a, such a beautiful mistake because the writing of that is perceiving that we are part of source eternally, never left us, never will. Yeah. The delusion of the ego is that wrong view. The ego is predicated on that view of separation. Okay, let's keep going down the path of suffering. Third noble truth. The end of suffering. It can be over. It doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> Ooh, great news. We can awaken. And guess what? We can wake up anytime. The Catholics would call this the blink of an eye. Amazing grace, the holy instant. You can be a Buddha too. End of suffering can happen. Happens all the time. The fourth noble truth. The fourth noble truth is about the path to end suffering, that there is a way to end suffering. What's the way? I know you're going to ask. Through ethics, meditation, inclusiveness. Work for the Buddha can work for anybody, anytime. The path to end suffering is love. Mm. 
living a reflective life, heart-centered living, yeah. Okay, recap, there is suffering. Denying it makes it worse. So, now's the time for some shadow work. And the ego will always want to run for some shadow work. So, the ego is probably wanting to press pause. Don't do it. Stay here with me, okay? All right, because we're going to say, hello, higher self. (sighs) We're being called to commit to our higher self, uh, to nourish our relationship with our soul. That's what this is all about. That's what the mother is trying to get our attention for. Um, So what we need to do is we need to strengthen. First of all, we need to create. We need to be aware. Hello, we have a soul. There is a higher self. I want to engage with it, be connected to my deep wisdom, to my soul that is connected to all, that is my source of guidance, all right? And I want to ratchet up that, uh, that, le- my, that level of communication. I want to strengthen that soul container. Every relationship is a container for growth, and you are in a relationship with your higher self. So we want to, we want to improve the relationship. And like in any good relationship, there's enough space to be your best, and to be at your worst. So this is about bringing forth both our light and our dark aspects into our relationship with our soul. It's a weaving. And that weaving is called grace, right? Grace holds both the light and the dark, holds me, holds you together, you know? Um, you know that stride? beautiful stride. May we all hit this. May we all know this. That stride that we can hit in some relationships where there's room for everything. You know, there's there's space. It's like, you having troubles? You having a hard time with me? All right, bring it up. Bring it out. Let's do this. Let me hold you. Let's have the conversation. Let's stay up late. Let's get through this, you know? Yeah. And then you hit your stride, your grace, your rhythm of grace. You got through that together. And the love is still flowing. In fact, the love is flowing more freely, more greatly than ever because the container is so strong, it can hold more love. So the call here is to do that for ourselves so that we can do that for others. And sometimes it works in reverse. That when we stand up to meet someone where they're at, to love them in the way that they deserve to be loved, when we really reach deeply into ourselves, give that to somebody else. We learn to love ourselves more deeply. I don't, I've never agreed with, you gotta learn to love yourself before you can love anybody else. Often works in reverse and often so many times, I mean, this is the mercy of relationships is someone loving us gives us proof that we are more lovable. Yeah, we take the cue. Okay, this situation, this planetary situation, it's a soul container. It's an opportunity for multidimensional growth. This is going to move us, this will, this is, this will move us towards higher love, inclusive love, group service. All right? In order to do that, <laughs> that movement, we got to clean up some stuff. We got to balance out some personal karmic patterns. It is not comfortable. There's, there's no way... There's no way to sugarcoat it. All I can tell you is it's worth it. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It doesn't have to hurt for a long time. 
doesn't have to totally take you down. But like, this is the nature of growth. It mostly happens through friction. So why resist it? That friction, that pressure pushes us down into the subconscious, the shadow aspects of our psyche. That's the whole function of it. It's like the pressure in the air right now on the planet is pushing us down into the presence to look at what's really going on. And as we go down, we bring our hearts down, we're bringing the light of our consciousness down, and we are shining that light into those dark spaces, the things that we haven't looked at or the things we've put in the basement, yeah? It's powerful, powerful stuff. This is how, this is how we get enlightened. I'm gonna give you a little more Carl Jung again. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light. Yeah, that doesn't work. But by making the darkness conscious. We go into the dark, we see what's there, we name it, we bring it up. And boom, enlightened. Why do we really do this? (laughs) What's the value? What happens when we name it? We expand our virtues. We expand our hearts. We become more loving. When we become more loving, we nourish everyone involved. We build healthier social structures. We become more inclusive. I create space for my shadow and your shadow. I create space for my light and your light. I create space for my preferences and your preferences. Yeah, love includes all of it. Hey, hey, did you know that I have a devotion program called Heart Centered? It's a membership where there's monthly visualizations and prayers. We do reflective writing exercises. We do them on the new moon and the full moon, and you get to burn some stuff. There's rituals for gratitude on behalf of Mother Earth. It's really, it's quite beautiful. It's turned into a gorgeous hive of devotion. It's about reflective living. And I open it up for registration the last week of every month. Not holding back anymore. Door is open on a regular basis. And the pricing is incredibly accessible. I want this to be affordable and a blessing to as many people as possible. If you go to daniellelaporte.com slash heartcentered, my heart is waiting for you. It's right there. Let's keep going into the shadow. I struggled with the concept of shadow self for a long time. I didn't like the term. I didn't want to read books about it. I didn't even want to have a conversation about the shadow self because my interpretation of it was that the shadow self was my dark side, my manipulative, arrogant, super needy, bad, seductress, bad, menacing side. And that if I got into that, I mean, who wants to get into that? It was just going to be punishing. I was going to have to like give myself a good talking to. But guess what? That is not what shadow work is at all. Mm-mm. That is that's the wrong definition. I had I had it wrong for a long time. This work is the opposite of being punitive. It's about being your most loving self to your most damaged parts. Shadow work is about loving on your wounds. So good. 
We're being called to love on a wounded planet like we never have been before. This is the work. And we're going to start with ourselves. It's the micro of the macro. Restore your self-love and awareness. And then you can turn all of your resources onto each other. And then we work together and we turn our resources of love to the rivers and the forests and to the marginalized. Your shadow is where your wounds hide. And those wounds are waiting for the light of your attention right now. This is the stuff. All that shadow stuff is the stuff that gets buried underneath distractions, workaholism. We paint over all this stuff with our busy schedules, with comparison, with competition, with bravado, with doing, with achieving, yeah? All that stuff is sitting on top of our wounded selves. It's actually really good news in this. Your deepest pain is your entry point to your greatest power, your real power. The biggest pain, the deepest pain, the stuff, the stuff. You go into that and you know what you're going to find? The real you. Strong, radiant, loving, wise, truthful, joyful, balanced, in harmony, powerful you is in all of that. I promise. You just got to go in there. You're going to find what everybody else finds. This is another beautiful thing of going into the subconscious. You're not in there alone. It's universal in its flavor. The things commonly found in the shadow, commonly found fear, all kinds of fear, you name it, any kind of fear. There's also uh, a fantastic variety of shame. Yeah, a lot of shame. And some of that shame is conscience that just gets twisted into things to be ashamed of. Some of the stuff that's in the Darkness is just lies that other people have told you that you've believed. If you keep going on in the subconscious, you're going to find what everybody else finds. A terror of the unknown. Really bad relationship with uncertainty. What is one of the hallmarks of the situation that we're in right now? Uncertainty. Why are we going in? Because we want to know the source of our suffering source of our suffering. What's in the basement? What's that smell? Yeah. <laughs> when we go in, we're going to find out that our suffering is a holy event. It's an entry point. It's not your evil twin personality waiting in there. It's the sister. It's the mister of your power. Very often it's going to show up as your inner child, your deep sensitivity. And what your inner child needs to know, just think of your inner child as a symbol for your deepest sensitivity, which, by the way, is a superpower. You want to nurture that deep sensitivity as long as you're here. What that inner child needs to know is that they matter. They matter in the big scheme of things in your life and in this global situation. Because when your inner child doesn't feel that they matter, they'll come to the conclusion that. They're not being loved and cared for because you're not actively loving and caring on them. And then they're going to knock from the basement. They're going to knock and knock some more and it's going to come up in the form of 
anxiety, health concerns. Yeah, it's going to that knocking creates imbalance. Well, it's actually the lack of attention on your deep sensitivity that creates the imbalance. Balance is loving on all parts of you, loving on your sensitivity and your needs, making sure you have the basic provisions, that you sleep when you're tired, that you eat when you're hungry, that you hang out with people that you love, that joy is the first thing on your to-do list. Yeah? So you let your inner child, he, she, they know that they are loved, that they're cared for. You know how to do it. The relationship is really simple. You're going to listen, and they're going to tell you what they need, and it will be really simple. Be sure to tell them that the past is just a memory now. The past is over. Tell your wounded self that the past is over and that you have everything you need to protect them and that they're never going to go through that again. That you are here as their protector, as their guide, as their nurturer. You are love and you are going to pour your love on them. You're going to take care of them. Take care of yourself. You pour that love on, that's what the unconscious layers of your psyche need in order to come into balance. Here's almost a side note, but I got to mention it now. Tending to your inner child is not about helping your inner child grow up. You're not helping your deep sensitivity be less sensitive. That energy remains gentle and sensitive. You, as an adult, with skills and with resources and with love and awareness, are always going to take care of that sensitivity. You're trying to heal it, not transform it into something other than itself. I can't have a conversation about inner child and shadow work without giving all praise to my psychotherapist, Anne Davin. How she describes the inner child, the shadow self, is she is the wounded woman inside of you, but she is not untethered and hopeless. Your wounded self is the twin sister of your heroine self. How beautiful is that? There's a heroine self inside all of us, and she is being called forward to greet these times. It's our greatest opportunity to be whole. This is our way back to God. So all the stuff that we've been avoiding for so long, the manipulation, the arrogance, the hostility, the addictions, these are actually not irreversible. They are not soul defects. They're just behaviors. That's all. They're just behaviors They've gotten a little out of control on a micro and a macro level, and they've been running the show on a micro and a macro level for lots of us. Those negative actions are expressions of wounds that have not yet healed. It's the perceived hole in the soul that has us do weird things on behalf of our messed up self-esteem. There's another way to look at it. Our shitty behavior 
on every scale is just our unhealed self acting out, screaming for any kind of attention it can get like a virus gone wild. All right, as has become the tradition in this podcast series, we are going to pause now for a grace moment. Three steps, stillness, receiving, and responding. If you can, close your eyes. Breathe gently into your heart center, your heart chakra. Breathing is gentle, natural, and you're still. Now you receive the energy that is in your heart. You receive the awareness of higher love and presence within you and above you. And you receive guidance from your heart, a feeling, a message, a symbol. And now you respond. You respond to that heart energy with a deeper breath, with a nourishing thought, or with some gratitude to higher love. You could press pause and just keep breathing and hanging out there, or just take a deep breath and come back with me now. Where pain points. Personally, learning to love my most wounded self was my ultimate restoration. Loving my most wounded self was the most empowering act of my life. I had a conversation with my wounded self on a daily basis with my fear, my shame, my terror. I just said, I see you. I'm not judging you anymore. I'm going to embrace you. I'm listening to everything you need to say. I'm going to listen hard. I'm going to hear every word. I'm going to pour my love and attention onto you. Calm your nervous system down. Yeah. And I just kept talking to my wounded self. And... Letting those wounds, letting my inner child, my deepest sensitivity know that I have the strength to take care of her. I am a grown-up. I have skills. I have resources. I have love. And I just had to keep listening. And I had to keep responding. So you need me to stop overworking? I hear you. You need me to rest so that we can be well? Okay. I hear you. You need me to get into nature more so that you can feel nurtured? Okay, I'll do it. You need me to break up with situations that are really insensitive to your deep sensitivity? Okay, I'll break up with that situation. I'm going to value your life with my compassion and my love. I get it now. I have got you. And that is spiritual maturity. And that's the opportunity. Those conversations with my inner child happened during the darkest period of my life. 
my dark night of the soul. And one of the 900 learnings that I got out of that hard time was that I'm a microcosm of the macrocosm. And it's turned out that every tool, every theory, every practice that I use to navigate my own personal hell is what I should be doing on a basic scale every day of my life to continue to be well. And all the tools that I sharpened, that I softened in that personal hell are very applicable right now in this pressure cooker. Um, Every formula that I have for love and care and nervous system nourishing, every single one of them works for when your life is falling apart and when you totally have your shit together. I'm going to take a side trip here for a second. Let me describe to you what Dark Night of the Soul was for me. And then I want to talk about managing our death (laughs) so that we can live with more love. Okay, I'll paint the picture for you. I, for the first time in my life, was suffering anxiety attacks, panic attacks. I didn't even know what they were. Never had one. Thought I didn't even have a relationship with anxiety prior to that. Now, what I learned was that I probably was dealing with a low-grade anxiety most of my life, and I used work and success and stage and all those other things to manage it. Just whenever I felt uncomfortable with just being, when I felt like I just didn't want to deal with any kind of uncertainty whatsoever, I'd just like pull out my day planner and make some plans. Yeah. So panic attacks. I'm in the emergency room at my local hospital on a Friday night at eight o'clock explaining to the doctor on call that I don't know what is happening to me, but I'm having a hard time breathing, that I can't stop crying, that my heart is racing, that two weeks from now I need to be on stage for a major gig. I think this is panic. Hmm. Amazed me how easy it was to get drugs for that. Drugs that, I don't know, I only took, I think maybe eight tablets of Ativan over a period of three months. I was really conscious about not getting hooked on that, but wow, wholly immediately calming, wholly potentially addictive. Cried all the time. Questioned my relationship to God, my relationship to joy. Spent many weekends at a small retreat center, Catholic retreat center, took anybody in, writing, reading about Dark Night of the Soul. I couldn't work, called my team and said, "I, you got to take the wheel. I got to give this to Jesus and you. I don't know how long I'm going to be in this, but I can't think straight. For the first time in my life, I was scared to be alone. I'm a person who I love my solitude, love my alone time. I had to have people come over and basically babysit me. My friends knew I was falling apart, and because they are glorious, they were checking in on me on a regular basis, phone calls and texting and soup on my front porch. I went for a lot of massages. My psychotherapist allowed me to have her on speed dial. I tracked when panic attacks were coming. I woke up five mornings out of seven in the most agonizing existential pain thinking about 
my relationship to eternity and suicidal thoughts. And I was not making a plan to commit suicide, but I was making plans to make plans that if I had to suffer in this hell for another five years, I gave myself five years, get my kid out of school and into the world, and then he could really stand on his own without me and I he'd have the house, etc. Um, yeah, that's the general flavor. <laughs> it was a death. And on the other side of that, I'm much more gentle. I have so much compassion for all of me, for my arrogance, for every shitty thing I ever said to somebody, for every seduction, for just all of it. All the ways that I tried to self-soothe and get my needs met and gain and win and love and be first and be shiny and be gorgeous and all of it, yeah. And the magnificence of having compassion for all of that shit is that I fully celebrate my radiance. I have things to offer. I have things to say. I am glorious. I am love. (laughs) I am light. I am balance. I am joy. I am tapped into truth. And I'm here to live. And my life is the embodiment of devotion. I got a lot of grace going on, and it's only going to get more graceful from here on out. But man, woman, God, child, did I ever have to go down and tear it all apart and be burned to figure that out. I took it all down to the studs. There was one night at the retreat center sitting on the side of a huge rock face. Sounds so cliche now, but it wasn't at the time. Moonlight in the middle of the woods, begging for mercy, begging God to take the suffering from me. Just, I just wanted an hour without anxiety. I wanted just a glimpse at knowing at why I was here. I just wanted a hint, just a hint that the pain wasn't going to last. And that, I discovered, is the nature of hell. That is the texture of uncertainty, is that part of hell is that you're not sure how long it's going to last. Now, let's pull that up and out to the context that we're in right now and the uncertainty that we're coexisting with. Now, somebody could come down from the ethers and tell us, you're only going to have to go through this, whether it means you're on a respirator or you're waiting to figure out where your food is going to come from, you're sheltering, you're alone, or you're living in palatial luxury with your favorite people. If somebody could tell you exactly how long you were going to have to do that, endure that, or be blessed by that, be a lot different, wouldn't it? But we don't know. We don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know the nature of this beast. We don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. We don't know how deep this darkness is. There's only one way to find out. To go into it and to find the bottom. To go in and find the bottom of your pain. The cause of your suffering. You'll see how it's connected to everything else. We actually can't see the other side from where we are right now. We have to go in, excavate, and create the future from the pain of today. It's a beautiful calling. 
what we're being called to do is to manage our death so that we can have a beautiful birth. Hey, I have a question for you. Just jumping in to ask, do you know that there is an ebook that goes with this podcast series, Grace for Impact? And the ebook is Pay What You Wish. I've got every reflective practice within this book. So it's the Cosmic Enchilada, a catalog of the healing practices, all of the prayers, the breath work. You can do it anytime on your own time. Print it out, read it on your Kindle. There's links to all of the meditations and the interviews that I reference. And the extra extra is that there's an extended version of all of the reflective writing questions that I ask you in the podcast. It's beautiful. It was the book I was planning to write in a couple years from now, but here it is now. Maybe when we need it most, head to daniellelaporte.com slash grace. Want to go back to my death for a second? Want to read my diary? <laughs> it's one of the beauties of technology and having your, your soul sisters on speed dial. I saved some of the text I sent during the darkest part of my, my dark. I'm going to call this one Managing Death. This is a day in the life of my falling apart. I'm texting this to one of my dearest friends. Morning. Reporting in. Partly for you, partly for me to just cheer myself on. Got out of bed at 11 a.m. I tented with my essential oils. Uh, Side note, by that I mean I I have a little respiration tent that I sit in and it just kind of blasts out these essential oils. is really good for my my lung health. I'm going to tent again later today. I did the love and radiance meditation. I ate some almond butter. I'm going to shower today. I will have lunch with omega fatty oils. Brain fat, I'm getting it. I'm going for a walk and I will gently do some easy work in a cafe. It's the first time I've been in a cafe in weeks. I really want to look at the next few months and smooth it all out schedule-wise. I need to create space. Tonight I may take myself to a yin yoga class. I haven't had any Ativan yet. I feel a very subtle hormone and anxiety wobble. It's hard for me to tell the difference. I tell myself that it's my hormones letting me know that I am coming into balance. I have a session tomorrow with Anne. She's my psychotherapist. I am thanking the higher ones constantly for absolutely everything. I am giving constant offerings of gratitude, strong requests for support from my angels I'm asking over and over again. I really want to feel them more. I want to work more closely with them. I want to be in service. I'm doing the Ho'o'onopono prayer with my inner child throughout the day. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I'm doing that prayer a lot throughout the day for a lot of people. I'm writing gratitude lists. I'm keeping the house warm. I'm not answering my messages. I'm reaching out to friends constantly. A lot of people are checking in on me consistently. My sleep is deep and solid. I'm amazed at how much sleep I need right now, but duh. I have a massage tomorrow. H is coming home tomorrow. I'm focusing on good food. I'm focusing on one day at a time because I know presence equals patience. Here's my mantra. Be present and receive. Be present and receive. 
And then I relax into being held by the Divine Father and the Divine Mother. And that is today. So that was my check-in, which I finally titled Managing Death. That was actually a good day. I mean, days before that were just, I couldn't even text. I was crying so much. Yeah, there was no awareness of subtle anything. It was all just agony. And then I started to emerge (laughs) in the mercy of life, in the divinity of the passage. My reward for going down to the depths and not rushing too quickly to get out was that I began to emerge. This is a text I sent. I call it Managing Emergence. I'm cautious today. I'm feeling a beautiful shift. I will emerge more beautiful, bountiful, and blissful than ever for me, for God, for you, and all my loved ones and humans that I want to help, I promise. P.S. I need soup. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's all real, right? P.S. I need soup. Next day. I'm having deep and liberating, empowering revelations. I am arriving. I'm definitely around the corner. I see big, big shifts in the last 72 hours. I started my period today. I had a productive session with Anne, my psychotherapist. I'm moving very gently. I'm seeing how life wants to live. I'm moving into my fullness, my God awareness. And I can see that I'm part of an ocean. I'm part of the all, the light and the dark, but I get to choose how I surf. I heard another beautiful metaphor yesterday in an Eckhart talk. I listened to a lot of Eckhart Tolle. Some days it was brutal. Some days it was just what I needed. He said, life is the dancer and you are the dance. Life is the dancer, the all, the everything, and you are the dance. We are the expression." We are expressing life in our own way. So I can dance with the pain body and I can move into the joy body. I can tango and flow, healing the pain body and taking the pain body into the joy body. That's the dance. There will be the dark, the light, the grief, the grace of life. That's the dancer. That's the stuff of life. And I can express all of that how I want to. I can choose joy. That was that day. And I got to say, mostly every day since then, I'm choosing joy, no matter what. So let's get back to you and the collective dark night of the soul. This is a great time to do this work. It's a great time to go down. It's a great time to do the work. And that means You might want to get a therapist. Strong recommendation. If you're going to do this work, yes, yes, yay for psychotherapy on Zoom. There are healers equipped. You may need them by your side. And those healers are able and very willing to help you right now. This is the time they were made for. Some of them may work pro bono. You're going to find someone. Reach out. You will find someone who will guide you through these dark nights get a shrink. And this is the same level of guidance, of suggestion with getting a shrink to help you do your work. If you don't already have one, if you're listening to me, you probably have one. My people, my people love their therapy. Limit your diet 
of news media. I, last year, I unfollowed all news accounts on my social media. Basically, I, I'm all on Instagram. I deleted all of them, and I could really feel the spaciousness like return to my life. I go read the news, but I do it on my schedule. I do it intentionally. I go where I want. And when I go read the news, I only believe half of what I read, only half of the time. I rely on my intuition. I rely on what I know is going on in my community and with real humans and my own body. Yeah. All right, my loves, let's carry on. In the next chapter, I'm going to give you the cosmic enchilada. I'm offering a catalog of the healing practices, prayers, the breath work, the thought forms, the vigilant thinking, the attitudes, the poetry that got me through the dark night into my radiant self. You'll be wanting to take notes. Life will take us down. It's best to go with it. It's taking us more deeply to where the deepest light can be found. So pull out all the stops and do it now. And when you go down, remember, self-compassion is your light source. Self-compassion is your light source. You're going to shine it on your deepest pain, and it is going to transform everything. You keep giving love to what you find in the dark. You keep looking and you keep loving. You keep listening and you keep loving. Your radiance is going to astound you. And that's shadow work. And now is the time. It's really time. Let's do this. Because your suffering, the world's suffering, is a holy event. This is grace for impact. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. Hey, hey, the details you have been waiting for, DanielleLaporte.com. That's where I kind of live and on social media channels far and wide. If you have love notes, love love notes, and any kind of question, support at daniellelaporte.com is waiting for your query. This podcast is produced by the very skillful Kelly Winham. You can find her at, are you ready? Face hyphen, the number four hyphen radio.com. What's that mean? That means faceforradio.com. You get it? And I give my infinite heart pouring radiant gratitude always to Team D. Such an honor to work with everybody on this bus to get some love out into the world. I love you, love you, love you.